Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome back to Pixels, a show where we cover the gaming news from the past couple of weeks and we try to tell you everything that's been important in the industry and uh, try to get a little bit of analysis uh, injected into that. My name is Patrick Beja and today joining me for the first time on Pixels, but not the first time on the show, my good friend Matthias Keller. How are you doing, sir? Hello, Patrick. Thank you for having me. I'm doing fine. I, I, we're used to talking about politics on the Phileas Club all the time. Do you think we're going to manage to talk about games without having some sort of reference to uh, a political crisis somewhere in the world? Is that well, going to be possible? May, maybe we can inject some of that just for good times, for old yeah, times' sake. For good maybe. measure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see a couple of uh, post-apocalyptic uh, game worlds that we can compare to some p- potential projection of the next couple of years, possibly. But, yeah, uh... maybe, maybe. <laughs> and some of them are, uh, well, look kind of like the current political climate in some Possible. countries so <laughs> oh my god that is depressing already it's christmas no 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 no, no, no. having fun all right let's let's do that instead let's talk about the playstation experience the game awards um a little bit about the last guardian i just played a, a couple of hours i did you know you're you're a pc gamer you're yes. you you hate those uh console peasants don't yes, you those console peasants since i'm a member of the pc master race right the right, only right. one and true Gaming so. platform. No, <laughs> no, I'm actually a PC gamer. I have a console past, you could say, but uh, that's a long time mm, ago. I was a, one of those Nintendo guys back in the uh, 90s, you know. That's okay. But, that's okay. You know, Nintendo is always good pedigree. So yes, I would approve of that, of that yeah. uh, part of your history. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm mostly uh, gaming on PC nowadays. Just, okay. Uh, because it's more convenient for me and I don't really like playing with a gamepad i have to admit i'm not good with the gamepad i prefer the uh, mouse and keyboards gaming so uh, gaming on the couch is not really my thing mm. i know a few people will agree with you with the audience but you know never mind i don't care because i do love consoles and quite frankly there are really interesting things that happened at the playstation experience and i hope i'm going to be able to uh, convince you to at least uh, take a fresh look at what's up at what's happening on the console space because there are some exciting stuff um, coming up especially as i was saying in this uh, playstation experience it's it was a little bit of a weird move on Sony's part when they first started doing it. It was three years ago, I think. And uh, now it's become kind of a uh, expected beat of the uh, communications plan year 
in the the gaming world um did you even watch the playstation experience or follow it at all or are you just like i have no haven't consoles? watched it live i just watched it afterwards uh, okay. but we'll, we're going to talk about that later i guess with the youtube thing but right. uh, <laughs> and you can't really uh, miss all out on all the trailers because yeah. a lot of the event was just about trailers so Yeah, and uh, and you know some of them were pretty darn good. The first one they opened with, which you know everyone speculated whether it was Assassin's Creed or some kind of Tomb Raider, or, uh, ended up being uh, Uncharted: The Lost Legacy, which is it was it started out they said as a DLC for Uncharted 4, but it's probably going to be something more, something a little bit bigger um, that is not quite a full scale game, but uh, something in between and man it looked really good you know it was and it was what six minutes of a woman walking through a torn a war-torn uh city in uh, india i believe was it india or thailand i can't I'm not remember. sure but it could be uh, any war-torn city like it could yeah. be in the middle east or something for yeah. all that matters so and and she was veiled and uh, she was walking around getting you know uh uh harassed by the military and it was like really oppressing and uh, and she ended up you know at the top of a building and there was a badass uh, fight scene and then it was revealed it was an uncharted title but even more important than what it is i think it it showed the mastery that naughty dog has developed and that we'll talk about again in a little bit but um the mastery naughty dog has developed for emotional conveying emotion in their uh directing really um i guess it's you know neil Druckmann's team it's staggering how much they're impacting you with that scene of just the woman walking through the city right i mean i don't know yep. if it had that effect on you no, but, uh, but but again i also had the um is that a Tomb Raider game in the beginning? Because it's just the, the uh, woman wearing the hijab and uh, just walking through this uh, city and all the streets. That could have been just one of those uh, new Tom Tomb Raider games. Well, mm -hmm. new, uh, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the reboot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the reboot, I get you. yeah. And, uh, but, but again, it was uh, really well done. And uh, it was kind of... Uh, you could really sense the tension in the scene. And uh, it was a really good trailer. But yeah. I, I, it, it'll be interesting to see if they can convey that beyond those six minutes and keep up the tension uh, throughout the whole uh, storyline. Yeah, it would be interesting to have a little bit less uh, of, of an action-focused Uncharted title and have it a little bit more on the psychological level as they did. I doubt that's where they're going. This is probably the one scene where it's like that. But still, it was, was interesting to see. Um, Marvel versus Capcom 4? No infinite was announced and that actually there's a story there i don't know if you uh uh listeners followed what's been what had been happening a few days before the playstation experience took place but there was a lot of buzz online about uh a potential a potential unveiling of marvel versus capcom 4 um which was in question because there was licensing issues on on uh, the third one and it had been pulled from the stores and you know Capcom didn't have the license from Marvel to do this anymore and clearly they had been working on bringing it back um but the buzz was around uh MVC4 and what was really interesting was that um 
people were kind of dismissive or unsure about that uh, leak early on. And then someone made a um, title, a, a poster with the number four with uh, Capcom and Marvel's logos. And at that point, along with a report from Polygon and a couple of others, but at that point, people were like, all right, this must be real. For some reason, I don't know why this poster, which was clearly could have been doctored, got people excited even more. And the irony is that while the rumor turned out to be true, the poster that got everyone excited turned out to be a, a fake because clearly the game is called Infinite and not 4, so the 4 title, you know, the, the number didn't mean anything. Um, so I found, I found it a little bit... Um, a little bit fun, a little bit interesting to see that people got excited over something that was in essence real, but not real because it was not the real part of the real thing. So, um, but yeah, the game, you know, MVC3 is a fan favorite. It's uh, back on on stores now, an ultimate version. And uh, the new one is 2v2, not 3v3, but you know how much I love fighting games. This one is on the less precise technical end of the spectrum. But uh, it's, you know, with Marvel's uh, uh, renewed popularity, obviously it's something that people are going to be following. And I'm, I love Marvel, so I'm going to be looking at it very, very um, seriously. Are you? A, it will a, be interesting yeah. to see. I read about a cinematic story mode they want to incorporate in the game. It will be interesting to see if that is true, how this will turn out. But in general, I'm a little bit guarded when it comes to all the beat 'em up genre, not because uh, I don't like it. I I love Street Fighter or love Street Fighter still. But then again, it's always uh, uh, like every iteration is just more of the same. And uh, well, you get a new character there and some new moves there, but basically. Basically, it's just more of the same. So I'm always a bit guarded when I see one of those uh, games. So uh, yeah. it has to impress me at some other level, just more than uh, just a new character. I suspect that the cinematic story mode of the colliding universes of Marvel and Capcom is not going to be the one that uh, is compelling enough to get you into this uh, this game. I would be very impressed if they managed to make a story mode that is compelling with, you know, Marvel versus Capcom as a basic theme. Maybe they can do well, maybe. it. I, I, yeah, I maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe, know. yeah. Uh, a bunch of other titles, uh, some of them new, some of them uh, uh, new trailers. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn still looks really good. Knack 2 uh, with lots of co-op was announced for some reason. Apparently, I didn't play the first one, but I think the universal reaction was, "Did we? why did we need an Act 2? The first one wasn't good. So that doesn't bode super well, but maybe they thought they had something to say with that uh, franchise. Um, Nino Kuni 2 still looks incredible. Uh, if you haven't seen Nino Kuni, uh, Nino Kuni's trailer, uh, the second one especially, go check it out. It's basically a Ghibli movie that you can play. Um, Neo Let It Die, which is released near Automata, which is a, a platinum joint if you know platinum's action action games then you likely already know near automata more or less or at least the gameplay apparently the world is more interesting than that um in that batch anything that uh, jumps out at you uh, not really but then again they all look really good the trailers look all really good but uh, as usual you can't really tell much about the gameplay just from the trailers so it's it's hard to contain i mean for some people me included it's hard to contain our enthusiasm when we see those trailers and 
I mean, we've been bitten before. It's not like we don't know that a trailer is just a trailer, but I don't know why. There's a certain joy in seeing a trailer that looks awesome, even though you know that you might be disappointed. I'm not sure yeah, exactly how that works psychologically, but... Uh... It's the same as with the movies. It shows the best parts of the movies, and then you go into the cinema and watch the movie, and you're kind of disappointed because you've already <laughs> seen the best parts. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's why I don't watch trailers anymore. And, you know, I've stopped watching trailers, I think, like six, nine months ago, maybe more. Um, and I enjoy the movies I see so much more. It's really staggering. I didn't, you know, I thought it was some kind of uh, ridiculous hipster thing to do, to not watch trailers. And I got to the point where I was like, okay, I just want to enjoy discovering the thing. And my enjoyment of the movie has increased like by a significant, I would say scientifically, at least 37% more enjoyment out of the movies. So That's uh, very specific. Yeah. <laughs> I'd recommend <laughs> you try it. For, for the games... There's more than just the images you see, so I can't not watch the trailers. But um, but for the movies, it's it's worth it, I think. Yeah, for the for the games, you actually have the part where you actually play yourself. So there is a bit more than just yeah, watching. Exactly. Uh, uh, Rampa V3 is coming to the West. Is Origin for those old school uh, gamers that remember what a PC Engine is? Is is going to be uh, uh, bringing back a lot of memories? Uh, Yakuza Six and Yakuza Kiwami are coming to uh, the West as well, so that's a bunch of very Japanese games that are coming uh, to us. That's always nice. I'm not sure I'm going to play uh, many of them, but it's nice to know I have the option, I guess. Um, and then remakes, a bunch of remakes, very exciting images of Wipeout until we realized it was just a remake, which is still fun, I'm sure. But a lot of people were hoping for Wipeout, uh, an actual new game. Maybe it's going to come up at E3. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Crash Bandicoot, again, a remake of the trilogy. Parappa the Rapper, Patapon, Locoroco, Garou, Mark of the Wolf, Windjammers, which got some people in France excited like nothing else. There's a huge uh, fan community for that old Neo Geo uh, Frisbee game. Um, Next, Machina, which is some kind of weird bullet hell game. And they mentioned the Vita. That is worthy of, of, of note uh, in itself. But uh, again, in those remakes, quick uh, um, uh, uh, reaction from you. Well, it's always nice to have a graphical improved version of an old game or uh, the remakes, especially if you like them. But then again, it's uh, nothing really new. So you have to be, an, I guess, an enthusiast of the old games to really enjoy them. So, yeah. but, it, it, but it's nice to have those uh, old games uh, polished a bit and play them again. It's, um, I think, you know, there's, there are some people who say, yeah, you, we can do without the remakes. We want new stuff. But in this case, I think they're proven. We're getting new stuff as well. It's not like we're just get they, they're only recycling old uh, stuff we liked. So I think if we can get both, why not, right? And yeah, those not? who but are excited about it. That's that. a trend, the remake. That has been a trend for a while that uh, you get old games just uh, graphically improved. And it's... Okay, if they make certain uh, improvements also to game, no, not the gameplay, but the uh, mechanics, the uh, controls and stuff to update them a bit more, especially if you port them for another platform. But uh, yeah, mm. it's, you know, there's I think it's because we're at that age. Uh, we're old enough that we remember things fondly from our childhood and, and they can make buck on it. They can make bank 
on it. So they're and, yeah, and we're happy again, replaying them. So yeah, but if you play them again, you realize well they're actually not that good nowadays. Then you remember. <laughs> yeah, it's kind most of, of the a time. Distorted yeah. image. Yeah. Yeah, most of the time. Um, PlayStation VR got a little bit of airtime, uh, not a huge amount, but they showed Resident Evil 7, which quite frankly looks nothing like Resident Evil. If they had not called it Resident Evil, they would just, it would just be this new horror game thing, but, uh, or at least that's what, uh, the trailers, uh, make me think. Ace, uh, Combat 7, Starblood Arena, which is kind of a rigs, you know, that, uh, esports game, but even more, action e which uh, rigs my issue with rigs was that it was too fast moving and too confusing so i don't know that i want a more active one and uh, a very weird and interesting cowboy and dinosaurs god game like thing called dino frontier which you're basically looking at a uh western setting world from above as a god game and you're moving with the move controllers and you're picking up dudes and putting them in in um, certain buildings to transform them into certain units and then they go fight dinosaurs and it's super weird but it's actually the one that uh, uh, got the most of my attention in the lot it looks interesting in the case of uh, Resident Evil 7, I'm just waiting for the first news reports about people dying on a heart attack while they're <laughs> playing this game. Uh, but other than that, the Dino Frontier, uh, it, it, it kind of reminded me a bit uh, of Black and White, if you remember that game. Because yeah, it's the, the, yeah, you don't have the creature that you can train, but you also put, pick up the people, the little settlers, and you have to care for them. But they're acting semi-autonomously, so they're just walking around. But if you don't feed them, they don't seem to work anymore so yeah i had a bit of this black and white feeling especially with the god hand that picks up people mm. so yeah but then again i'm not really not really completely sold on the whole we are vr thing uh, we saw mm-hmm. so far because it's nice and uh, the immersion is nice especially for something like resident evil if you want a horror game what's better than a vr horror game i guess but uh, at some point i think uh, there's still this it's still in the finding phase so finding yeah. genres and games and gameplay elements that are actually useful in vr and not just a proof of concept kind of addition so if, I, I think yeah Sorry, go ahead. No, it's just like those uh, 3D movies where you sometimes can see now this camera angle was specifically chosen because they wanted the 3D effect and it's not for mm. cinematic or artistic meaning just because we can do it, we have to do it. And at some point, some games and some gameplay mechanics feel a bit like that at the moment. So because it's still for me, it's kind of still the finding phase. Yeah, no, you're right. I think we're it's lasting a little bit longer than I would have hoped. Uh, I would have thought that or hoped that by the end of this year, people and developers had had the dev kits for long enough that they would um, get into like actual VR game design uh, space. But it definitely feels, as you said, that we're still in the concepting, figuring it out, which is probably going to last longer than I thought it would, obviously. But uh, I don't know, maybe 2017, the new year of VR. We'll yeah, see. I'll wait for that and then I'll jump on the bandwagon. Mm, yeah. Um, and and finally, the last title I wanted to mention was the one they closed the show with. And that when I was talking about emotional impact before, um, it's basically, well, The Last of Us Part 2. So you're not a console gamer, so you don't know what The Last of Us is and you know well, how... 
Do you? I know what it is. Well, right, because, right. Uh, no, no. Yeah, like, I think who doesn't think, know The Last of Us? Yeah. I think you think you know, but yeah, if you haven't it, gone yeah. through it, you don't actually know. You sort of you've heard about it, and you know there are three types of people in the world. There are those who haven't played The Last of Us, those who have and who didn't love it, and everyone else. And those who th these everyone else are people whose lives have been impacted by people closing and opening doors in my apartment, apparently. <laughs> I don't know if you could hear that, but the door is making a lot of noise. Um, it's okay. It's fine. Don't worry. Um, yeah, the, the people who have played The Last of Us and who have enjoyed it, I think will always remember this and cherish it at, as a uh, memory, a piece, a, a moment in their lives, which is... Uh, uh, meaningful to them in entertainment um, and it was there was a lot of questions about whether or not they should even do a last of us 2 because the the story of the first one is so satisfyingly self-contained that it didn't call for a sequel and I loved the game, and even though I thought it was, uh, uh, it would be sad to never meet these characters again, to never be in that world again, um, I still thought, you know, so I, I wasn't sure a sequel was warranted. I would like to, I would have liked to have one, but I felt guilty about it, I guess. With this trailer, oh my God, I'm now completely excited about this you know part two it's not a, a straight up like last of us two it's part two as if it's two parts of one whole or maybe you know there will be three in the future maybe but uh it's it, even it, though you didn't see anything else than ellie just playing on the guitar and singing yes even though and you know why well okay uh let me ask you what did you think of the trailer um how did it make you feel it it was very uh, made made a, a chilling atmosphere and it was quite intense. But then again, if you don't know anything about the game, it's just uh, well revenge. That's all I got from the trailer. I guess maybe if you don't know anything about the game, but still, I mean, you could feel or could you feel the emotional uh, uh, strength of the direction of the game? Yes, that's, that uh, yeah. was a, uh, in that case, it was a really good, well, well made trailer. Uh, and of course, the reaction of the audience, if you watch the uh, show, then uh, it was uh, quite intense. Yeah. So that's the thing, I think, which works with people who know the first game. It's um, the, the, the game is definitely flawed, very flawed in some areas, even. Um, what it does manage to, to, conv to, to achieve, though, better than most other games in that genre in that you know category is the emotional impact it it makes you care for the characters it takes you on a journey with them uh, a hard journey and um it, it by the end of it it's uh sorry there's a lot of noise in the background um it's i i don't know if you can you hear it or not Sometimes I can a hear a bit. bit. Okay, okay. Um, so in the in in the game, what does work is that emotional journey that you go through with uh, the two characters and some of the others as well. And the end is a emotional 
at the same time a punch in the gut and at the same time a I don't know. I, I don't know if I can say it's satisfactory, but it's a, a very strong emotional ride with a, a, a strong ending. And so, what you realize is that you're going to get more of that with the characters that you already have a history with, and that is what makes it even stronger than um, than just that trailer itself. All the the emotional charge that you have. And since you know those characters, when she's, you know, her hand is shaking and then she's, the songs she's singing and the the music, it makes you, I mean, I've, I was thinking maybe she was uh, um, talking about, you know, there was uh, uh, her lover that got killed and that was the song that that she learned from uh, them. And, and you know that it's going to be something special and i think that w- that's why it works more on uh, on me than someone who hasn't played the game or who didn't like the game but it's impossible to not watch this and and feel you know the the directing the mastery uh, masterful directing of the team and of neil Druckmann specifically uh, i'm guessing on that uh, on that game and not be excited for it but um i can understand also- it doesn't uh, uh, hit you uh, quite as much, but um. yeah, but they also placed it perfectly at the end because they tried to pull this the whole Steve Jobs Apple thing like one more right. thing, and that was perfect <laughs> for that. I mean, the reaction yeah. on the crowd that was just perfect. Yeah. Um, so we do need to mention it's very early in the development, as they did. It's probably not going to be out until you know 2018 if we're lucky. Probably later, uh, if not. So um, it's not out yet, and probably running on PlayStation Pro, uh, PlayStation 4 Pro. It was so pretty. It won't probably won't look like that on the regular PlayStation. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, talking about PlayStations, they've sold uh, 50 million consoles as of December 6th, and that's not even the holiday season yet. Um, for comparison, the, the the numbers on the Xbox One is, we only have estimations, but I thought it was probably around 30 million, and uh, our good friend uh, Daniel, Jude, uh, Jude EX, uh, said it was probably under that. So between 25 and 30 million Xbox Ones, uh, something like that, maybe closer to 25. Um, that just shows you the impact that a communications blunder can have, because the most of it... I would assume most of that uh, difference exists because of the botched introduction of the Xbox One with the the DRM uh, uh, story nightmare that it came onto the scene with. And of course, the irony is that those DRM wouldn't have been so bad, especially since we would have been able to sell many of the digital games we buy that we're now stuck with. We buy them full price on digital and we can never uh, sell them. But anyway, that's the story. And 50 million is an enormous success for PlayStation uh, 4. Yeah, but that also um, includes the PlayStation 4 Pro. Yeah, of course. So it's, it's the combined number. And slim, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. it does, but uh, but it's still you know it's still installed base. Maybe some people have two PlayStations, but um, it's I'm guessing it's a it's a, a, a small margin of people who have two, and 
and and you know with the Xbox One three uh, sixties, uh, the number with the fail the units that failed was probably a little bit uh, bigger yeah, than that. So, uh, but it but, still has a way to go to the PlayStation Three numbers. I think the PlayStation Three sold eighty million overall, so there is still ways to go. Three? Did the three sell eighty millions? I'm not sure. I, I think I know that uh, the two was. Uh, I don't. I don't have those um, numbers here. The the three I I know that it uh, sold very poorly in um, early uh, early on and then they caught up. But uh, let's see. Um, so the PlayStation Two did a hundred and fifty five million. That is uh, an enormous amount. Uh, I didn't realize it did even more than the Wii, which did a hundred million. Um, no, play, yeah, PlayStation Three. You're right. Did 80 million. That's uh, that's impressive. Um, Xbox 360 did 84 million. That was a, a huge success as well. Even though the market is uh, isn't. I mean, PlayStation and PlayStation Two were the kings of their time. And uh, yeah, so anyway, there's still ways to go, but it's uh, a little bit higher uh, compared with the days, uh, especially especially if you account and predict for Christmas than any other PlayStation console um, there is. So anyway, um, <clears throat> I mean, after Christmas, it's probably going to be uh, the case. The Wii took 845 days to reach 50 million. PS2 took 1,047 days. That's a little bit shorter than the four, PlayStation 4, which took 1,117 days to reach 50 million. But uh, that number for the PlayStation 4 is sell-through, uh, sell not shipped. Those other numbers are shipped. So that some of them might have been sh- sitting in stores. Uh, the PlayStation 4 is sold through to customers. So anyway... Yeah, you Bottom always line. pick the numbers that make you look best. In my, yeah. I mean, the, the Xbox One, for example, outperformed the P- PS4 sales, but just on Black Friday. So mm. overall, the PlayStation 4 still has better numbers in November. Yeah. But if you want to make you look good, you say the Xbox One outperformed the PS4 on Black Friday. So mm. you have a positive spin there. Yeah. Uh, and Sony is going to be releasing six smartphone games in 2017. They're working on 10 of them. I think they're inspired by Nintendo. Um, and those smartphone games are going to include Parappa the Rapper, which might explain their uh, re-release of the game on, on PlayStation 4, um, which is perfect for a game like this. Everybody's Golf, uh, Ark the Lad, which is going to remind, make some people nostalgic, um, and stuff like that. So um, smartphone games coming from Sony in 2017. Um, let's talk about the Game Awards a little bit. And, uh, I mean, it. I'm always ambivalent about the Game Awards. Um, it's a giant, giant marketing fest. But at the same time, I mean, there are things like the Chic Robo something and the Assassin's Creed Red Room with AMD and the... Uh, but the thing is... Jeff Keighley, who's putting it together, has to find a way to pay for all that stuff. And he wants to make basically the Oscars of gaming. Um, and I, I, personally, I think I'm willing to live with it. And uh, I even think that it's a performance on his part um, that he manages to put it together with basically no television network help. He's just getting money from the game companies, which is a little bit troubling if you have ethics issues but still you know it's the industry coming together it's not like 
you you have to absolutely be it's the industry paying for it and coming together and that's what happens in those events yes it's a little bit maybe more advertising heavy than than in other industries but that's because that's the way it's it's done in this case and that's the you know they broadcast online and stuff like that so they don't have the same kind of uh of um uh they can't afford the same kind of things as maybe other similar events can but um in general what did you think of the event maybe it's the same as before but uh yeah, but uh, it's not no real surprise if you look at the list of winners. Really, I think it's the t- the the titles that were expected to win won in the end. And what uh, it was a, a very nice uh, show, and uh, especially the uh, what was it called uh, the Dragon Cancer uh, that Dragon Cancer speech. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, really moving. So that was a really really good part and. Well, I, it's also nice to see that Kojima finally got the award he was denied last year. So uh, <laughs> there, there was, that. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. There was a weird, I mean, fun, good, but weird moment with Kojima. It was like they were, it was so almost homoerotic. It was like they were bros and Kojima and Keely were, Keely was like, oh, I love you so much. And, and Kojima was up super emotional clearly because he finally could get the award he couldn't get because he was sequestered in Konami's uh, <laughs> Tokyo office apparently by, by lawyers armed with uh, God knows what. Um, it was, it was a heavy good, law books. Yeah, exactly. It was a good moment, you know, that kind of thing. And you, you mentioned, uh, that dragon cancer, which, wow, that was, that was heavy. You know, we were talking about the emotional impact earlier with, uh, you know, fictional things. Uh, for those who don't know that dragon cancer is a game that was made by a couple who lost their child to cancer and, you know, decided to make the game to talk about it and and probably work through the grieving process. So when the the father got up on stage to accept the award, it was obviously incredibly difficult and important for him. And that, again, obviously showed. Um, So that, that was one of those moments where you're like, it's not just, you know, artificial and marketing. And there are some real things in there as well. Yeah. Personally, I'm also happy that uh, The Witcher Three: Blood and Wine got their award. So that's that's one of the games <laughs> I like this, the best this year. So there's that, and also you, you mentioned before the marketing and the trailers, and that's also part of it. But I'm really happy to see uh, some gameplay, some first gameplay for Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, what did and you think uh, of that? Yeah, I, I really love the Mass Effect uh, series, and I'm really looking forward to this game. Though I'm not. I'm not completely happy with some of the things I saw in the trailer. For example, the the uh, scanning and analysis tool you saw. That's uh, I hope it's not that overbearing like in The Witcher, The Witcher sense, or in Batman, the detective mode. That's that's just mm, too much for me. Basically, yeah, and, and especially that you have to use it all the time, and it's always repetitive because you always do the same thing just in a different place and stuff like that. But uh, on the other hand, I'm looking forward to drive around to the Mako, which is now called the Nomad uh, again. So I'm really looking forward to this game that's uh, the most anticipated game for me at least in the spring i can't understand that yeah it's only a few months away too um i mean 
the the Mako was the most um the part that people didn't like in the first one so i'm not sure why they're excited about it in, in this one but uh just the, the ability to drive around in that thing again you don't if you don't have to do it all the time like in the first one where it was so overbearing big part of the gameplay that you have to drive on so many different planets just to drive around right. and reach a spot uh, but if you incorporate it in small doses then i think it would be fun again mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and yeah, maybe it, it increases the feeling of exploration, which hopefully the the game will have as a whole. So uh, Yeah, that's the main focus, yeah. at least from what we saw so mm-hmm. far. So, um, Death Stranding uh, was a giant middle finger to Konami uh, as it featured Guillermo del Toro and also uh, Mads Mikkelsen, but mainly Guillermo del Toro, who um, basically tweeted a picture with literally uh, in his tweet fuck konami which was which must have been very satisfying um but in general that trailer you know it's weird what kojima does i i was a big fan of metal gear solid one not so much of the others uh too much to the dismay of some of my listeners but um Ko- kojima does things that are interesting and in this trailer i know it's probably going to have very little to do with the actual game or gameplay, at least, and that there's a bunch of weird, inexplicable things that are not going to end up being explained. But still, I watch this and I'm like, wow, this is weird and interesting and I want to know more. So It's um, definitely weird, but uh, it doesn't <laughs> really say, tell you anything about other than there is a dystopian future and soldiers and uh, this weird it, baby thing. In weird the, encased baby with black yeah. oil coming out of people. Yeah, but other than that, you don't really know what's, what this is all about. No, but that's the thing. Uh, I guess the, the, the trick is that you want to know more, but maybe it doesn't do it for you. It, it, I, I want to know more, and especially, I mean, the actors Ed, uh, and uh, Matt Mikkels, for example, uh, as a likeness, is also something that makes me interested in this game, just because uh, I want to know what role he's playing or his character what uh, is playing. So. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely is good teasing, but you know, the game is probably not going to be out for another what two, three, three years, I'm guessing minimum. So. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we we have Kojima's uh, name on it, so that's reason enough to be interested in it, I suppose. Uh, a bunch of other things when, were announced. Uh, Dauntless, which is kind of a weird uh, Monster Hunter co-op-like thing, which I'm interested in because I want to get in on the excitement that is Monster Hunter. And every time there's a new demo that comes out, I download it, I play it, and I don't understand what this, why this game is so popular. And, um, and I want to get in on it. You know, it's like uh, Pokemon. I want to be part of the excitement, but I just, I, I don't, I can't get into it. And um, I, I don't less might be something that makes it a little bit more accessible. It seemed like it would be an easier uh, version of that kind of game mechanic. Um, a remaster for Bulletstorm, Halo Wars 2, Dead Rising 4, um, which just came out apparently with not great reviews. Um, Spectre of Tor- Torment, which is a prequel to Shovel Knight, um, etc., etc. A bunch of things. Uh, anything to note out of those before we move on to more Nintendo news? Uh, just uh, the Prey game, which was, uh, I think, originally 
should be uh, should have been a sequel but now is a reboot of the game that was released in 2006 or when was it i don't know yeah, but it was a long uh, that time looks ago. interesting it's it was arcane a long studios time ago. doing it too which uh, yeah. it's the french studio yeah. behind uh, um uh, brain fart uh dishonored that looked interesting just because I've played the original ones. So it would be interesting to see what they make of the reboot, kind of the Doom uh, experience. And uh, other than that, uh, only thing to note was the whole YouTube thing, uh, the uh, <laughs> audio takedown mess up afterwards. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was really silly. It was basically that someone claimed the copyright on the entire video for some piece of music within it. And so it muted the entire thing for like a day and a half right after it was posted. It was, I mean, it's yeah, kind well, of it, it is an automated process. And since YouTube is not disclosing which part is triggering the mechanism, you don't really know if it was some music uh, snippet or something that could have triggered it. But Or a troll yeah. that decided troll, to go and yeah. say, you know, I, I claim that part of it and it happens. But uh, but it is, if it is really a troll, then uh, well, it doesn't look good for YouTube anyhow. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, that would be even worse. I mean, especially for content creators who uh, want to use this platform and uh, f- to publish their content. I mean, that's a huge deterrent and uh, a huge hassle for the people who want to watch the video. It's been a problem for for years that issue that specific issue and it was only more visible here because it was so high profile but uh yeah well that yeah, that would if be it a happens about the high too. profile one that's not helping their case anyway no for sure for sure um all right let's move on from oh and and game of the year was overwatch which you know you don't have to tell me that that is the right thing to do i've been uh talking about overwatch for two years so uh, i'm glad that it was recognized though um i'm happy that this you know it's it's easy to say now well yes of course overwatch but yeah, it's a big game blah blah but when it first was announced you know it was it, it you have to Understand that this is a multiplayer-only fast FPS game, which wasn't a thing. Like, a mainstream FPSs were really big, but it, it wasn't that specific. Arena shooters were not a thing in the big sense of the world, of the word, until overwatch and it wasn't a given that it would be received that well so um it's easy to forget that this kind of came out of nowhere so um seeing it where it is now is of course you know because i used to work for blizzard as well but really genuinely because i think the game is is very well done um it's it's heartwarming for me to see that it's being recognized so um Nintendo. Nintendo uh, big, did a little bit of a um, marketing blitz on Mario Run, which looks really fun. But So I'm looking forward to getting it in two days at the time of the recording. We are, we're on the 13th. But there was one piece of news, one bit of news that got me a little bit concerned. And that's the fact that it's going uh, to require an always-on connection, which in itself is kind of weird for a game like this, which looks like you could be playing in, in the subway um, or, you know, where, where you might not have a connection. And I understand why they do it for piracy, but even more than this, which is annoying already, is the fact that I wonder if the, the servers will hold. Like, if you have to be logged in all the time to play, on the 15th, I really hope they learned, you know, they went to uh, Niantic's uh, Pokemon Go 
uh, uh, you know, uh, offices and asked, what problems did you have so we don't have the same ones? It's going to be hard to to support the hordes of players that are, are going to download and try to play it on the day it's released. I'm afraid especially, we're going to see... Um, yeah, especially since it's the first game they are putting on iOS. And uh, yeah. also, I found it kind of weird, uh, the, the sentence, or it was a translation, so I'm not sure if it's completely correct, but uh, the fact that they are using this uh, on uh, devices that are not controlled by themselves, which is kind of weird if Nintendo is really planning to porting games to other platforms, that's kind of something you have to live with. So that's a kind, a kind of a weird attitude. Uh, what what uh, did he, what did they say? I didn't get it. They said, they said uh, the uh, reason for this is uh, anti anti piracy measure for the always right, right, on, right, yeah. especially because it's on a device they are not controlling themselves. So mm. yeah, because they don't. Yeah, they, well, there is a lot of piracy on the. Uh, I guess what they're trying to say is that if it was a, their own consoles, they would have stronger anti piracy uh <laughs> mechanisms but of course it's not the same thing it's comparing apples and oranges <laughs> apples <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah it's so we'll see maybe that will mean that down the line it won't be as important for them to have the always on connection but i really do worry about that that what that means for the launch yeah it might be a game a deal breaker for people yeah. if it doesn't work and especially with the 999 price tag on mm. it we'll see um uh, they went on Jimmy Fallon to show, well, Mario Run, which was on basically everything last week, but also uh, Zelda, which, again, I continue to be somewhat unimpressed with. But also, um, there were a couple of people who uh, published comparisons between the initial screenshots and the current state of the game, which, you know, you always understand that the game as it's presented initially is not going to look as good as uh, that. You know, it's it's going to look a little bit less good than what it's been shown uh, originally. And that was a presentation on the, the uh, Switch. That was the first time we saw it on the Switch. And maybe the person chose the specific image that made the current version look the worst possible but still that does not look i mean the, the original image looked really nice with a lot of foliage specific lighting huge view distance and the version we have now there is somewhat the view distance but the the geometry looks a lot more simple uh there's almost no foliage the textures are blurry I, it made me really concerned about the game. It can, you know, graphically, you can say it doesn't matter as much as you want. It does matter for some people. And I don't know. I, I, I it, it gave me pause, I guess I should say. Yeah. Also, the guy who did the demonstration didn't do a really good job showing off the good angles, I guess. It was, mm. a, it was kind of weird looking at him playing that. And well, maybe it was because it was live and unscripted or something, but still... Yeah. No, and not Fallon, really impressive. Yeah, Fallon is a is a show host, and he has a genuine love for games. But it's still, you know, a, a night uh, talk show, and he does a lot of, you know, Ooh, oh my god, I'm so excited! Oh my god, you can do this! Oh. Yeah, but you saw the difference between Mario Run, where he was overly enthusiastic, and Zelda, mm. which he was kind of, yeah, I like Zelda, and yeah, let me play it. But he wasn't that enthusiastic mm. at this Maybe, part, yeah. so. 
Well, we did see the switch getting uh, taken off its uh, cradle and uh, its dock, and it switched very quickly. So at least there's that. All right, a little bit more uh, news. There's stuff about the Nintendo uh, Super Nintendo World, which is the theme park with Universal Studios. But you know what? I don't care all that much, so let's skip over it. Uh, the Oculus Touch is out. That Oh, you know what? Let's talk quickly about The Last Guardian before uh, we do that, because I, I've only played it a little bit. Uh, I'm guessing you haven't, you're, since you're not a console player. I, I understand now. Um, it's a recurring theme. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that it is getting, at least in France, some surprisingly positive reviews. Um, it's kind of the opposite of uh, Final Fantasy XV, which is getting very split opinions. Um, universally, The Last Guardian seems to be, you know, the reviews seems to be indicating that it, the the promise which is, you know, the, always the same promise with Team Ico, with uh, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus, and now The Last Guardian, which we've waited for for so long that we didn't believe in it anymore. Um, apparently, they're proving us wrong because everyone is saying that this game is the emotional roller, not roller coaster, but ride that it, it promises to be. And having played just a little bit of it, the the, the animal, Trico, is, you know, I was told it's incredibly lifelike and it feels like a real pet, but I didn't realize how true that statement was. And it does create an immediate emotional bond between you as a player and that virtual creature because it it has, it's weird, you know, it's the animation, the mannerisms that make it endearing to you. And I haven't even started really playing through the uh, stories, which is going to have, I'm sure, emotional beats, but just interacting with it and the way it whimpers, the way it moves, the way it hesitates to jump somewhere. And uh, it, it, it is, uh, uh, you get attached to that beast immediately. So, on that already, it's kind of an achievement, and I'm very pleasantly surprised that that people seem to um, to say the the game is actually very uh, strong as a game period, as an entertainment experience, because it wasn't a given. It's been delayed so much. We, you know, and with the disappoint the semi disappointment of uh, Final Fantasy 15, um, we sort of had all moved on, and then uh, Fumito Ueda was like, wait. I still have my game to show you now, you know, sit down and you're going to get something in your face and in your heart. And there you go. And it worked. So um, that's kind of cool. Um, and the Oculus Touch is finally out. Um, it's expensive, as expected. Uh, few games really take advantage of it. But those that do, uh, as I mentioned, when I... Um, finally tried the PlayStation VR, the one thing that made it really work for me was having my hands replicated in the world. And the Oculus Touch uh, does that even better. And by everyone's account, it is a fantastic uh, interaction device for VR. Now, all we need is games, I suppose, that really take advantage of it. Again, there are some, but... Um, that might be 
the interface that people were really waiting for to uh, develop things that are even more compelling in VR. And, yeah, um, but although it looks kind of silly if you watch the person playing even more so uh, than if you're just playing with VR without the, without the Oculus Touch uh, and it makes it just uh, appreciate how silly the animations sometimes are, which you usually control with mouse and keyboard or a gamepad <laughs> if you do them with your hands for real. I think that's, you know, something that people have kind of accepted at this stage. You look like an idiot when you play uh, <laughs> when you play the... Um, the oculus any vr game so i don't know that that's a big problem but it no, no, no that's not, like that's not the problem it's just it, i saw a video where, where they uh, showed the person playing at the lower left corner uh, right right side right, by yeah. side what he's doing in game and what he's looking like <laughs> and uh, that's just it, it just looked a bit funny uh, on the other hand it's interesting an interesting aspect of the touch controls now it's not just a matter of dexterity if you're able to play a game really well but it's also a matter of stamina i guess because uh, mm. you actually need to use your hands your, your your whole arm you have to move around which is uh different from just using your wrist or your hands so yeah for sure um no more but, couch potatoes winning every game <laughs> well yeah couch potatoes that move their arms around although you do have to be standing so yeah there might be maybe they will come up with something that you have to actually walk around to move in the game or something maybe Treadmills. Um, <laughs> there's a new regulation in china which is really interesting it applies to many games but uh maybe hearthstone was singled out in the article i i read uh the regulation states that games that uh offer basically random rewards in in packs uh or loot boxes or loot packs stuff like that um have to inform the players of the percentage chances that are applied to um, those items. So in the case of Hearthstone, um, Blizzard or NetEase in the case, I think it's NetEase in, uh, in, in China that, is partner, that Blizzard is partner, partnered with for Hearthstone, um, they are going to have to indicate that you have that many, you know, that percentage of chance of getting a, um, a, a legendary card, a rare card, etc., etc., that's really interesting. First, because it's it. I wonder how Blizzard is going to handle it because that's the kind of information that game companies don't want you to have when you're paying for your loot box. Um, just the 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 hope is always better than knowing you have a one point two percent chance of getting um, a legendary card, um, and then. Is it going to be it because apparently they have to do it? It's not like they're going to be they're going to say, well, then in that case, we're not going to be doing business in China. Obviously, they're going to. Um, but then so are the percentages going to be the same in China and elsewhere? Is it we pretty much know the percentages already, so it's not technically that big a deal, but. You know, even even if you do know the percentages uh, intellectually, it's not the same thing where they're when they're printed on the pack you're buying. And I like the per idea personally, but then again, you don't have to do it in game. You can just put it on a dedicated website, and uh, not that many people might go there. So you're complying with the law, but you're not uh, putting it in everybody's face by mm. uh, putting the numbers in the game somewhere. 
So, do they not have to put it in the game? I think if I, uh, if I read correctly, they can either do it in the game or on a dedicated website. So mm. they are not, they can't put it somewhere in the fine print, but they have to have a dedicated website for that or a dedicated page. But uh, I think that they can also do that. So on the yeah, other hand, that's probably what they're going to do. Obviously, if they yeah. can, they're not going to be putting it in the game in your face. On the other hand, it's not that unique because uh, for example I, i know it's uh, not not the same but in play store for example every developer also for the games have to, has to give a range for the in-game purchases for example so the users know what to expect if they install the game and stuff like that so mm. it's, it's not that unusual actually but uh, it's different if you have just have to give a range and you have to pre give to have to give the precise numbers so right yeah that's true um destiny is getting some help from vicarious visions uh another basically activision is calling uh, uh some uh, you know getting every hand on deck um to finish destiny 2 which hopefully we'll see uh in fall of uh, next year um vicarious vicarious visions is um a a company that created they're not you know uh super original developers they worked on um, the crash bandicoot uh they are working on the crash bandicoot uh, trilogy remake um they did a couple of other other things that don't honestly don't really matter but it's it's more interesting for the development of Destiny 2, which I'm guessing is Destiny 2, it's just on the Destiny universe that they're would make more sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess it's a good... Th I don't... I can't decide if it's a good thing that they're calling in, them in a year in advance of the release or almost a year in advance so that they can actually sync up and work well together or if it's a sign that the game is so much more difficult to put together than they thought that maybe they're going to have to cut stuff or, you know, do some uh, uh, piecing together that won't be uh, very elegant or I can't decide. And I love Destiny, you know, Vanilla and the Taken King especially, but uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess the main threat is that they're putting it together, pieces together very badly. So mm, yeah. hopefully, hopefully they'll do a better job of that. If it's the case. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, we're still a year away, so hopefully they can uh, offload the stuff that is relatively easy to Vicarious Vision and Bungie uh, can be working on the good stuff. But I guess uh, I, I don't know that it can work like that in game development. So um, we'll see. Um, another uh, item on, um, on on games in on PC... There was who was it game uh, was it Steam Spy that uh, tweeted this yeah it was Steam Spy of course uh, a number that is really impressive thirty eight percent of all Steam games uh, available on the platform thirty eight percent were released in twenty sixteen and we're not even at the end of the year yet so you know. Uh, uh, close to 40% of the games on the platform have been released this year alone. And as you know, the platform was launched in uh, 2004. So that's a, a, a long time ago. Um, I guess it speaks to the importance of the platform itself. It speaks to the importance of digital as a, a means of distribution. Um, and it speaks maybe to the importance of smaller 
studios being able to release games so we have more games uh, than we did before in the industry but still even with all of this um so many games uh from this i mean this year re representing so many of the uh, games available on the on what is essentially the the only major um pc gaming marketplace again it's a thing where i don't know if it's a good or a bad thing well, in general, a monopoly would be a bad thing. But I think the, one of the main reasons is that you can actually release games uh, through the green light or um, initiative or that you can give early access games a chance on Steam. I think those are the, one of the main reasons for those numbers. And of course, all the uh, well reboots, since we talked about them, you also have on the store or uh, I'm not sure actually how they count uh, like episode titles. So if every episode is a new game for them, for example. I doubt it. No, I don't think so. I think that would be a new episode is, I mean, you can buy episodes independently. So maybe, maybe it's different SKUs. And if you have like two versions of the same game, it counts as a different game. Yeah, that, that, that would make sense actually. But still, you know, it's not like it didn't happen before. Um, we've had episodic games for, for years as well. So, um, I don't know. It's it's definitely impressive. It means that when we get the uh, impression that we don't have time to play everything, and there are games and major games all the time, it's not <laughs> you know it's not a, a just an impression. But um, as a as a PC gamer, what do you think of Steam now? It's even revamped its interface a few uh, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, was it? Yeah, um, it did. Well, I I'm, have a huge Steam library with a lot of games I probably never play. And I'm also <laughs> getting into the trap, the usual trap. There is a sale and uh, you buy so many games you probably never going to play just because you wanted them at some point. So uh, I am one of those people who has too many games uh, to actually decide which ones to play. So. So what do you think of the other stores, though, like the, you know, Origin and, and well, Blizzard's Battle.net, although it's not strictly a store, mm -hmm. uh, you play and all of those, you're saying monopolies are bad, but... Uh... Personally, I only use the other stores if I have to. For example, if I have to... So you're uh, contributing to the, monopol to the monopoly. Yes, yes, basically, <laughs> basically. <laughs> no, um, although I'm uh, also buying games on I'm independent platforms. Should it be... Uh, could it, it could be the Humble Bundle store, for example, who has a few games, or like good old games or other platforms. I, I'm also buying them there if they're DRM-free. But to be honest, most of my games nowadays uh, are lying in a Steam library. So... and. For the other platforms, I really only use them if I have to. If I have to uh, use uh, the Origin uh, client because it is not on a Steam platform, but uh, out of on my own initiative, I probably wouldn't go to the Origin store or the Ubisoft Play or whatever it's called. Mm, See, I don't even know the name of Uplay anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's Every time I want to start the game on Uplay, I have to think first, well, what's the launcher called again? And have to look through all the programs because I, usually I don't use them. Whereas Steam, I, I'm using yeah. Steam all the time. So it is kind of a monopoly. If you're not on Steam, you're not really visible. Yeah, that that's another, uh, uh, you know, teaching from this number. It's that if you're, you're not on Steam, you don't exist. Whereas maybe a few years ago, five years ago, you could have a website where you were, you would sell your game 
somehow, maybe even DRM-free, Minecraft started out like that. It was sold on a, on a site. Uh, and that was it. That was how you, you would get it. And that's not really possible anymore. You have to be on Steam or, as you said, you don't exist. So. Although some of the big publishers, of course, are trying to keep them away. Like they're like Mass Effect, for example, the Mass Effect 3, you can only get on Origin, if, I, if I'm correct. And uh, you have to use yeah. Origin to play Mass Effect 3, whereas the other two, I think you can get, could get on Steam. So they're the other publishers are trying, but uh, with, uh, I would say, limited success. Yeah, yeah, of course. They don't want to pay the 30% or whatever it is to uh, to Valve. But uh, that's the case for if you're a big publisher. But if you're a small game developer, um, you have to be on Steam. And quite frankly, even though there are so many games, I think if your game is lucky enough to stand out, um, that's a whole other issue because it's like the app store you have hundreds of games and it's very difficult to to stand out but if you do it's a very easy and convenient platform for distribution so also yeah. they're giving a smaller developer the chance to be visible with the green light thing where the community yeah. can vote on whether or not your game should be published on steam yeah. on the other hand uh, you also have some negative feedback uh, for example all the early access games you have and uh, which are kind of disappointing at some point because people are expecting more of them or the developers can don't uh, fulfill the expectations or their promises and uh, it's 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 a two-sided sword of it so. Yeah, and, and definitely out of those 4,000 plus games that came out in 2016, some of them are definitely crap. There are some games that are that barely deserve the, the name of game. But, uh, and some people are actually paying for them. So. It does happen. It does happen. But you can get, uh, you know, you can get uh, refunded very easily on Steam now. So. That's true. Um, hey, do you want to use your PSVR to play PC games? Well, Trinus PSVR is there. Um, it's a basically, essentially, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but it's uh, it's um, uh, drivers for the PlayStation VR on PC, which it's not complete yet. There are some things it doesn't do, uh, and I'm not at home, uh, so I don't have my PSVR here. I can't test it, but. I'm kind of excited that maybe I'm going to be able to play uh, some of the PC-only games, uh, VR games, with my PSVR. That would be if it if it, it the 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 drivers do get polished and it works well. It's pretty exciting because it's a much cheaper price-wise um, uh, VR headset to try PC games, and there are some games I would like to try. So. We'll see there. But if you do have a, a PSVR, try uh, to find Trinus PSVR, T-R-I-N-U-S uh, PSVR. Although the PSVR is uh, apparently not selling as good as they hoped for. So maybe there yeah. are not that many people who actually could use <laughs> their PSVR to play on the PC. Maybe that's going to help them sell more. Uh -huh. If they actually go for their marketing and yeah. not just focus on the PlayStation 4 Pro or something else <laughs> and actually put some budget in it, maybe. We'll see. Uh, yeah, the, the, the numbers we have are, for, are from uh, outside firms that are estimating the initial targets and the uh, current numbers. So we don't know yet. But yeah, the numbers look grim. It's like a third of what they were estimating would, uh, would sell as sold. So um and uh so hey do you know what the uh shadow pc is 
Yes, I've uh, read about it, and I'm very oh, yeah. interested to know uh, to hear your op uh, opinion on it. Uh, if it is really something uh, that it's worth following up on or actually buying, maybe. <laughs> so this is a really interesting product, and I, I'm surprised you heard about it because it's a French company that is doing a little bit of marketing in France, but they're still in early release. They're in beta, basically, and they're releasing to early birds, of which I'm one at the end of the of the month. Um, so th the way it works, if you remember on live, which is a uh, video streaming for, uh, games or was rather, it's basically the PlayStation now service. Uh, this is that, but for a PC, uh, what happens is that you rent quote unquote, a PC in their server farm. Um, and the PC is, you know, modular. It's put together on the fly uh, with different elements from their servers. Uh, and it's the equivalent of a high-end uh, PC within, I think it's an i7 uh, process, uh, CPU and a 1080, uh, no, I'm sorry, 1070 uh, NVIDIA GeForce uh, graphics card. So it's a high-end thing. Um, the, the issue is uh, there's only uh, 256 uh gigs of, uh, uh, of of uh, hard drive, SSD, stuff like that. But what happens is that you only have a small box at home that connects to that, that receives the video, and that sends your mouse and keyboard input, and that receives the video and displays it on your screen. So it's uh, it's distant computing. And unlike PlayStation Now or these services, you really have a PC that you have to install uh, programs on and you have to manage as if it was a PC at home, but it's distant. And um, the advantages are that you can access it any from anywhere as long, and that's an important one, as long as you have a fiber connection. Um, they really recommend a fiber connection, especially if you want to do some, uh, uh, you know, things where lag is important like gaming um it can work on adsl and stuff like that but you're not going to be doing high you know intensive uh, games and stuff like that but the advantage is you can connect from anywhere and uh it's always upgraded so you rent it for let's say 30 euros a month if you take a, a six months or or longer plan and uh, it's always updated. So every, you know, year or two years, I guess every every year or so, they're going to upgrade the graphics card, they're going to upgrade the CPU, and it's always going to be um, the top of the line. So it's a little bit expensive to rent, but then you don't have to buy a PC if it works well enough. Um, there are a number of questions. Not everyone has uh, fiber, obviously. There are, uh, uh, you know... Reli uh, reliability if you if you don't have an internet connection then you can't you don't have a pc i would argue that nowadays you have enough devices that and and internet connections are uh solid enough that you're not going to have a lot of downtime um for your machine so that should be okay uh but the big question of course if you're going to have a beefy machine like that one is can you do gaming on it and that is the huge question mark um, because any amount of lag can be significant for a, a device like this. And so I don't have mine yet. I will have it in a few weeks, but I did get a chance to try one uh, at a friend's place for only a few minutes. Uh, and I played Doom um, there, the 2016 Doom. And as you know, this is a very fast first-person shooter. 
And so the, the, the big answer now is that it is mind-blowingly fast. Mind-blowing. I, I could not... So I'm maybe not the best FPS player in the world, and maybe they had the best connection in the world, but it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, in the, the, the company, the shadow company's offices or anything. It was like in Paris, in a, a random location, with fiber, of course, but still. And, you know, I would move the mouse, and it would move the screen without it was like it was on my pc it i could not i it's to the level or i uh, where i do not understand how it is physically possible for this to be happening now of course if you actually understand the physics you know if they they have peering arrangements or even better than peering arrangements with the main isps in the country so they have very fast connections and it's it's faster to do it like this. As long as you have very few hops on the network, then the fiber connection is super fast. Um, so it doesn't matter that you 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 are not next to it. It can still be uh, the the lag is not going to be noticeable. Um, and and they've tested this with esports e pros uh, on fighting games and on uh, FPS games on Overwatch and stuff like that. But you never know how it is exactly until you actually try it yourself. And I will have a lot more to say once I have tried it for a longer term. Uh, but it was so surprising that I didn't want to mention it now a few weeks earlier. Maybe I'm going to be disappointed when it's in my home, but it was so fast that I didn't want to mention it. I, I, again, I can't believe how quickly the, the screen, the character on the screen moved when I moved the mouse. It was unreal. So, so that is something you would actually consider getting for yourself to yeah. replace a PC. Possibly. I mean, not quite yet, but maybe, you know, I have my um, very powerful PC at home and my travel machine, which is a Mac. I'm wondering if maybe, because at, you know, for now you have a, a light client, a small box uh, that is only basically the uh, a very small thing just to display the image and send the, the input signals. Um, I think I could have only my travel machine and have a software that will I'm sorry, that will display, that will do the same thing as that uh, light client, um, thin client rather, um, in software. And that would be okay with just my travel machine and I could have the power of the um, powerful one when I'm connected to it. And maybe that would be enough. I think it's not quite there yet because you do need those peering connections and um, we not enough people have fiber, but... I'm I'm very intrigued. I'm not willing to throw away my big PC yet, but I am extremely intrigued um, yeah. and pleasantly so it surprised. Isn't, it isn't something a digitally challenged country like Germany would ever get because uh, we don't have fiber everywhere. So, really, but, do you uh, have fiber? No, no, no. Very far away from it. And oh. uh, we, we promised we wouldn't get politics into this, so I'll, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> right. Well, there is that little small hurdle. Um, but yeah, well, I'll, I'll talk more about it once I have it. And maybe my talking more about it is going to be, guys, I, it sucks. I'm sorry. It was it was a optical illusion. It, it wasn't real, but I don't think so. Uh, all right. Hope. Last bit of news, very important entertainment world. Will Ferrell is going to be playing an esports star in a new comedy 
Does that mean that video games have arrived? Does that mean that esports are popular now? Um, I don't. I guess it's a good thing that Will Ferrell. It's big enough that Will Ferrell is interested in it. But yeah, I don't know. It's always. I'm always worried about cringe worthiness in the depiction of of gaming and esports on in movies. But at the same time, cringe worthiness is Will Ferrell's wheelhouse. So of course it's got to be cringeworthy, but in a quote-unquote good way? Do we really want to see people playing people who are playing games? <laughs> How about we just play ourselves and leave the watching people part out of it? Yeah. Uh, well, I watch But then again, sports, Twitch so. wouldn't have yeah, uh, exactly, so many subscribers. Exactly. So. No, I think you're right. Watching people playing games is one step uh, removed, and that's okay. But watching people acting as people who play games that other people watch is that's too much that's when you know the singularity happens and and our brains explode (laughs) so on the other uh, hand maybe it will be a similar success to a silicon valley so who knows we'll see in 2019 i think it'll come out like that yeah yeah all right, and that is going to be it for the episode. Um, thank you very much, Matthias, for, for jumping in um, for, for this show. Can you tell people, do you have any... I know you, you um, used to work uh, as a journalist for a, um, for a, a magazine, that, uh, magazine, a site that does tech and gaming news, but you don't do that anymore, right? No, uh, although it's Christmas, uh, my head is already kind of in 2017 because there are an, a few new projects for me coming up, ah, although I can't talk about them right now, but I'm really okay. looking forward to the upcoming year. So uh, let's hope uh, everything goes as planned. And uh, yeah. So if you want to follow that, uh, certainly you will keep everyone appraised on uh, Twitter at, at yes. Matsicult. You're correct. You finally got it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the yeah. link will be in the show notes too. Yeah, so you, you can, can find, find me on Twitter. So if you want to talk to me or just say hi, just uh, hit me up there. And uh, even though I'm trying to inject some English tweets, uh, a lot of it if it is in German, but uh, maybe it's a good place to learn a new language. Maybe there or, you go. Uh, if you talk to me German. in English, I'll have more reason to post stuff in English. I guess. Excellent. Um, for me it's not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook uh, you can find this show and another one that uh, Matthias is often on by the way called the Phileas Club where we talk about more serious topics and important topics not that gaming isn't important um, and also you can leave a uh, comment on iTunes uh, if you want to be like uh, Giko our friend from Belgium uh, who said needs more MGS2 that's the person I was referring to when I was talking about Metal Gear Solid. I, it's a recurring joke between us. Uh, but thank you for going and creating an account, especially only to to give that comment. If you want to uh, support the show, you can do so by talking about it to your friends. You can uh, leave a comment on iTunes on or your other. Uh, podcast uh, uh, catalog of choice and uh, yeah before I I almost forgot we have a new logo you certainly saw it already in your uh, podcasting app maybe you didn't realize that this was pixels Um, 
We worked with my friend, my friend Jerome, uh, on revamping the graphical identity of all of the shows I do. Uh, some people had seen the one for the Phineas Club already. Uh, the, and there is a, a, a unity of color between all of the shows I do. So hopefully they will be easier to find. If you know one, you will certainly find the others because I haven't seen a lot of that uh, shade of pink in uh, podcasting in general. And I like the, the, the punchiness of that uh, statement. Um, but uh, the, the logo, I really like it. The, the, the previous one was long overdue for, uh, for revamp. Uh, it was one I put together in half a second on uh, Photoshop. And my Photoshop skills are legendary for being uh, poor and lacking. So uh, I really like this one. The, the uh, pixelated X is really clever. So uh, I hope you like it too. Please let me know what you think. Think. I'm sure um, some people will, ha will have stuff to say about some elements of the logos, but uh, I, I welcome your comments and uh, thank you for supporting the show in, uh, on all of those platform I, platforms I mentioned before. So thanks for listening and uh, we will be back again with this, this amazing new logo in about a couple of weeks for a new episode. Talk to you then. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.